Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Thursday, April 20th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Again, sorry for the delay in getting a podcast up last Sunday, but my health has been a little bit of a challenge. However, I'm back now, so let's get to it. I'd like to discuss LGBTQ plus one and mental health. In particular, I want to discuss where they intersect and why it's important that we understand where our priorities need to be. So recently, and when I say recently, I would say that recently it's escalated, but for quite some time, the issue of LGBTQ plus one has been front and center in our culture. Witnessed by the fact that in the recent Tennessee shooting, which was perpetrated by a transgender individual, our Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, went to Tennessee and met not with the families of the victims, which included three nine-year-old children, but met with the family of the shooter. So all of this focus on transgenderism I think needs to be looked at from an objective standpoint. And how do you do that? Well, objectively, you look at statistics, you look at numbers, because there's no subjectivity in them. It's not opinion, it's data. 1.4% of the U.S. population identifies as transgender. That calculates into 4,900,000 people. Now, I want to compare or contrast that with the 59,500,000 12 to 17-year-olds in this country who experience depression. That's 17% of the population. The number of physicians who have patients come into their office with depressive-related disorders as the primary diagnosis is 15 million a year. And in fact, worldwide, 1 million people a year commit suicide. In our country, in the United States, suicide is up 30% since 1999. In 2016, 45,000 people committed suicide. In 2019, 46,000 people committed suicide. In 2020, an estimated 12.2 million American adults seriously thought about suicide. That's suicide ideation. 12.2 million a year. 3.2 million actually planned a suicide attempt. And 1.2 million attempted suicide. So let me just for the moment, not that I'm done with statistics, but let me for the moment just go back to those numbers of transgender people. 1.4% of the population identify as transgender versus 17% of the population 
which experienced depression just in the age bracket 12 to 17. And suicide being up in this country 30% since 1999. And finally, again, recapping, 12.2 million Americans seriously thought about suicide in 2020. Okay, what does that mean? That means that there's 124 suicides a day in this country, or if you look at it in minutes, every 11 minutes, someone kills themselves. Now, let me try to intersect the LGBTQ plus one issue with mental illness. Because I'm not saying here that every person who is LGBTQ plus one identified is mentally ill. But I am saying there's an important crossover, and that's this. Data indicates that 82% of transgender individuals have considered killing themselves and 40% have attempted suicide, with suicide attempts being highest among transgender youth. So my question is, after all of this data, how many of those who identify as transgender have mental illness? Well, of the 4,900,000 who identify as transgender, remember, 82% of them have contemplated suicide. That's about 4 million of them. Of that 4,900,000, 4 million of them have contemplated suicide. Now, put aside whether that's because they're mentally ill or because they are treated poorly by society and driven to the point of contemplating suicide. Because it doesn't matter whether it was because they're mentally ill or because they were treated poorly and decided to try to kill themselves, that means they have an emotional problem regardless of cause. That means they have an emotional problem regardless of causation, which is what mental illness usually is. That's what mental illness is. It's an unstable mental state, regardless of cause. They have a difficulty coping, regardless of cause. So even the transgender community needs a focus and needs help as it relates to mental illness. Yet, on March 24th, President Biden declared Transgender Awareness Day. My question is, where is President Biden on mental illness? Because we clearly have a mental illness problem, both in the culture generally and specifically in the transgender community. This topic is very dear to me. Why? Well, I've spoken about it in prior podcasts. At age 24, I tried to commit suicide. And I came incredibly close to pulling that off. I was in an emergency room. They were pumping me out of the drugs. And probably only by the grace of God am I still here today. So mental illness, mental health, depression, anxiety, suicide, these are all subjects that are incredibly close to me. I've lived them. I've lived depression. 
I've lived attempted suicide. I've lived suicidal ideation. I've lived anxiety, mostly depression in my life, very little anxiety, but depression for sure. And depression is a lifelong challenge. This is all very dear to me. And so I've grown up, I've lived a life where I remember when mental illness wasn't talked about at all. It was a shame within a family. Back as, let's just say the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s, this was not a topic for public debate or public airing. It was seen very much as a shame, almost the way that pregnancy used to be a shame among certain communities and perhaps the culture generally, if you go back far enough, meaning pregnancy of, of out of wedlock pregnancy, not pregnancy in general, but out of wedlock pregnancy. Mental health was a close second. You didn't talk about it. Families didn't talk about it. Friends didn't talk about it with one another. It was something that you kept to yourself. And I know because I lived through it. And slowly over time, it became something that was discussed. It became something that was not so shameful. Yet I would argue that depression is still something that very few people feel comfortable sharing publicly, which is why personally, over the course of my professional lifetime, I have made it a mission to talk about it publicly, to share my personal story, particularly among high school students, among young people, and also among adults. But my message has always been why there is hope, why there is a reason to be hopeful, and that what happens with mental illness is you lose the ability to do that. You lose the ability to believe that in particularly in the case of depression, that you'll ever feel any way other than you're feeling when you're depressed. And that's simply not true. But it is a common belief, and it leads to people choosing suicide as what appears to be a rational exit from their life of depression. Because if you don't believe it'll ever change, why would you stay? Now, I didn't intend to do this episode about particularly depression, what I wanted to do it about and what I am doing it about is this misprioritization of the focus on transgenderism and on the focus of all of the demands, I would call them at this point, of the LGBTQ plus one community. Because remember the statistic, it's 1.4%. It's a very small percentage of the population, but it has hijacked the conversation and it has hijacked the Democrat Party and it has hijacked the White House because it is a total, again, misprioritization and a dangerous one to prioritize the demands and the assertions of the LGBTQ plus one community over the general and more encompassing problem of mental illness. If 82% of the transgender community has thought about suicide, then there's a mental illness problem there, as I referenced earlier. And when we ignore that huge statistic, and we instead focus on simply their desire to be recognized We aren't doing them any service. We aren't doing that community any service, and we aren't doing the nation any service, the culture any service. 
because the real underlying problem is mental illness. Now, there's a whole lot that contributes to that. In my opinion, there's a lot that contributes to that. Mental illness has always been around. And in many cases, there is a biological or a, a physiological or a chemical, if not cause, at least factor in why someone is having difficulty coping with everyday reality. And for some of those people, medication is a godsend, is a way that they are able to continue to function. But medication also only addresses the symptom. It doesn't address the cause. I guess I have to qualify that. It may address the cause if there's a literal chemical imbalance. I'm not sure that pharmaceuticals are the answer because if there's a chemical imbalance, which is natural, my personal belief is that there's always a natural remedy for that, meaning something in nature to bring that back into balance. But we've fallen far away from natural remedies and we tend to rely on the pharmaceutical companies. In those cases where it's not a chemical imbalance, where it's simply some emotional inability to adapt or to adjust to everyday living, there've always been factors that contribute to that. In every century, for as long as humans have walked the earth, there have been factors in everyday life that add to stress that for many people make it difficult to cope. And many people's reaction to that is either depression or anxiety. And in the extreme, people try to kill themselves. We can help in many ways, but we can also exacerbate the problem in many ways. We exacerbated the problem with COVID, with lockdowns, which in hindsight have to be one of the dumbest things we've ever done because a lockdown in response to a pandemic and a suspension of constitutional rights in response to a pandemic was a crippling and inappropriate course of action. It isn't that the founders of the constitution didn't understand pandemics, They had multiple and repeated epidemics throughout the colonies during the time period when the Constitution was contemplated and drafted. They were very well aware of epidemics. They lost thousands of people in cities. And back then, that was a huge number, proportionately to the millions we lost currently. So they were aware, but they didn't mean for the Constitution to be suspended ended when there was an epidemic. They meant for it to be enforced when there was an epidemic. So lockdowns were not only economically poor in their outcomes, they were poor in their outcomes as it related to mental illness because teenagers were prohibited from social interaction. People were prohibited in general from social interaction. Kids missed school. They missed years of of, uh, learning. In some cases, almost two years of learning, certainly in most cases, one year of learning. And standards now have to be changed and benchmarks have to be changed in order to accommodate what has happened to children in their learning progression because of lockdowns. It also created incredible stress because it destroyed 
millions of businesses permanently throughout the middle class. And so the stress for families of having their sole source of income destroyed while Lowe's and Home Depot and Amazon and other companies that were box stores or that were on the good side of the political spectrum those in charge of the moment at the moment and those who were able to favor the businesses that they wanted to favor and cause havoc to those that they did not created to mental illness for those people who now are struggling to find new ways of surviving. You know, yesterday I watched the announcement speech of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's running for president on the Democratic ticket, hoping to get the nomination. It was an hour and 51 minute speech. It was the most remarkable speech I've heard in my lifetime. If you haven't listened to it, please do. It's on YouTube. Truly remarkable in his honesty, in his exposure of what's going on in our country and his willingness to tackle it head on fearlessly. In one particular segment, he had sitting behind him in the audience on the stage, a black couple, and he introduced the husband. The husband had been a chef in the Boston suburban area prior to COVID, and he and his wife saved everything they could for years and years so he could actualize his dream, which was to have his own restaurant by age 50, which he finally did. He opened it in suburban Boston, and it became the go-to place. It was a it was a combination, a fusion of Asian and I think it was I forget the other cultural Indian, Asian and Indian or whatever. It was so popular you couldn't get in the place, and then COVID hit, and he was locked down, shut down, unable to run his restaurant. And he stood and he watched out the window as chairs were piled up behind him on top of tables because people could not come in the front door. He couldn't operate his restaurant. And then the government sent him $17,000, which they told him he had to spend within six weeks or pay it back. And of course, he had no way to do that because he had no business to spend it on. And he went bankrupt. And now he and his wife are struggling to figure out how to exist. This is what happens. This is the pressure that is put upon people by cultural and societal problems that lead, if not lead to, yes, that lead to, and in some cases, exacerbate and exaggerate what might be otherwise minor mental health problems. We have the inability to communicate with one another in real time, eye to eye, touching contact because we live on the technology. Again, another stressor and another way to exacerbate what might be otherwise minor mental or emotional challenges. And so I think that as a remedy, we need to take our focus off of the demands of the LGBTQ plus one communities, particularly of the transgender communities. We need to stop humoring them. We need to stop coddling them, which is what's going on right now. We need to stop acquiescing to their demands. And we need to mirror for them that their community has an 82% problem of mental illness And the rest of the country has a problem with mental illness and the nation has a problem with suicide. And that's where our focus needs to be. So when we reprioritize what we say is important, 
perhaps we will begin to address the real underlying problem of so much of what all of us struggle with every day, which are the stressors and the lopsided culture that has stopped seeing what matters because it's so busy humoring what doesn't. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again, but I'm not going to say Sunday because I'm not going to set myself up for failure. I'll be back here as soon as I can and as soon as I have something important to share with you that I think is worth your time. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. And until I am back here, please, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.